What is this? Wow, what a mansion! Captain Wesker, where's Chris? Stop it! Don't open that door! But Chris is... What is it? Maybe it's Chris. Now, Jill, can you go? I'm going with you. Chris is our old partner, you know. Okay, stay alert! Resident Evil! Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another mini-sode of the Grave Talk podcast. Mini-sode, mini-episode, a teensy, a quickie, I don't know. It's one of them shorter things where we don't get all into our biz. Well, to be fair, the quickies are a totally different thing, and John has cornered the market on those. Thank you. Yeah, I work very hard on the quickies. Uh, it's what I'm best known for is a good quickie. <laughs> <laughs> good call. Uh, let's see. What are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about Resident Evil. As a whole, in general, we're talking about the video game franchise. Uh, we may get into the movies later on down the road. I know they're John's favorite, most coveted Blu-ray collection on his shelf. Um, but we're here to talk about what's kicked it all off in 1996, the Resident Evil franchise. Uh, we're leading into Garrett's playthrough of Resident Evil 8, which is going to be going up on our YouTube or Twitch or one of these streaming things that us old men don't know how to use very well. But uh, Garrett will figure it out. He's going to be the pioneer into this brave new digital future that the kids are already in. I'm so scared. <laughs> Cue the clip of uh, <laughs> Hello Fellow Kids or whatever it is with uh, what's his name? Oh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, man, um, I've actually dug into about a quarter of the game. Came out as of recording uh, last Friday and uh, put about five and a half hours into it. I think it's fantastic. Garrett, you're going to like it. You're talking about Resident Evil Village, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, also known as Resident Evil Village slash 8. Uh, the V-I-L-L is colored-coded, so you know it's number 8. It looks like a Roman numeral 8. So we thought we'd get together and just kind of talk about it and just loosely based on our, our experiences with the franchise, the the plot in general over the course of the seven games prior. Um, if we want to jump in and talk about any of the weird offshoots, I'm not opposed to it. I didn't play a whole lot of those, um, but here we are. So, gentlemen, uh, John. Why is it that you seem to be in touch with the uh, movie franchise over the games? Uh, I mean, I wish there was some really deep, magical answer, but I think it's just because my wife is really into the movies, so I watched them through her, and before that, you know, I, I never really played the Resident Evil games. Uh, spoiler, I guess, for that part. I've only ever played some of four, because that was really popular when I was in college, uh, and then... A little bit of one of y'all loaned me Resident Evil something or another, and I played a little bit of that, but I couldn't make it out of the house. I think that was seven, Garrett. I think you lent him seven. Yeah, it was probably seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I think we've just kind of realized over the course of this, John, that you're not really into the horror games all that much, right? You're more of the movies. Yeah. You like strategy games like StarCraft and, and some of that other stuff. But when it comes to the puzzling and the fighting, that's just not really your jam, huh? No, I just don't like horror games. I don't know. I've been meaning to play that Blair Witch one. It's uh, on Game Pass, so eventually I'll give that a shot. Probably like the day before they remove it with my luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Garrett, when did you get introduced to the franchise? You've been a ride or die since day one, 1996, on the old uh, gray Sony PlayStation 1? I actually have been around since the beginning. Um, I did play the original Resident Evil. Um, it That one 
it was it was interesting. I enjoyed it, but I also really didn't like it. Back then, I was still, I mean, as most of our listeners may or may not know, but I'm really into um, like fighting games like Street Fighter and uh, Guilty Gear and Mortal Kombat and stuff like that. It tends to be my my game of choice. But um, so Resident Evil at the time, it the clunkiness of it, the tank controls, as they're called, you know, was was not super something I was into. But the story and um, some of the scares that we had, man, totally got me. I think it's like it was like the first uh, horror game that I ever played on any kind of video game console that actually had me hesitant and like not wanting to walk through doors. Um, so I played that and then, you know, subsequently played Resident Evil 2, 3 and then went from there. And then when they did the remake on GameCube, I skipped that one because I didn't have a GameCube. And then Resident Evil 4 came out and everyone like was raving about that. And so I think I picked the series back up then and kind of went back and caught up on everything. This one is probably responsible for my uh, love of the horror video game. It was the first one I ever played. And I know it's not the first one. I want to say like the Alone in the Dark franchise was out first. And there probably is a couple other games that can be considered horror video games. But to me, this was like the most uh, well-represented version of that. I also associate Resident Evil with modern video games. And what I mean by that is like, that was the first time that I would literally see a, a console game have actual video clips of humans, you know, voices in a video game were still super novel when this came out. You know, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, if you got Ryu saying a Hadouken, that was about it. And that was like, you know, getting up there in terms of uh, taking up the megabytes in the cartridge, but just having full on audio throughout the entire game, this was a game changer for me. Oh, Barry! That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> You're right. I didn't get a Sony PlayStation until after Resident Evil came out, and it, along with Alone in the Dark, were the first games that I ever rented. And that was when the idea of a memory card was still brand fucking new. My parents got me the PlayStation 1, but no memory card. So guess what Mark got to do with Resident Evil? Die over and over again and just replay the fucking first couple corridors in the mansion because I couldn't save the damn game. So <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and uh, the moment that just really hooks you on game one is when you're walking down the hall and the dogs smash through the window, dude. And man, I think my brother was probably five at the time. And he ran out of the room screaming like it was that effective. It, it was it was it was cool, man. It was just something to do. Like get all your buddies over. Check out this thing that is Resident Evil. You know, the zombie franchise um, or the zombie genre rather really hasn't become so overplayed. And, you know, just so many entries in it yet, you know, it's still cool to do the zombie thing. Um, so that yeah, this this game to me holds like that spot of just really where everything took off for me as a person who loves horror video games ah an awesome choice stranger my younger brother got a playstation because i never got one um but i played it on his and um i was the one who got freaked out by the dog part <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. there was quite a bit uh you know like as you said the zombie stuff and this definitely is resident evil is kind of known for its zombie you know apocalypse type situation but really stuck out for me for resident evil though was all the giant monsters like it wasn't so much the zombies it was you go into that attic and there's an insanely huge snake. You know, you go into there's uh, there was there was all these like just creatures that existed that were not specifically, you know, zombies. And the idea of mixing the zombies and this kind of like creepy otherworldly, these giant creatures just happen to exist in this time and place 
really did a lot to kind of set that mood and really kind of get me interested in more of the the backstory and the lore of what was going on in these games. And I will say that Resident Evil is one of those those few franchises that's done a really good job of keeping their their overall their overarching storyline um, relevant and pretty awesome. Like from the first game up to the current game. I mean, I haven't played eight yet, but up through seven. Uh, the way that these all interconnect and the way the story actually plays out. There are a few exceptions. I'm looking at you, Resident Evil 5, um, Matrix, Neo, Wesker. <laughs> but the, the 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 Umbrella story and stuff like that has always been really entertaining, which is why, John, you might hate this, which is why I hated the movies so damn much, because the Umbrella stuff was so note by note, like, we're an evil corporate corporation. Ha 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 ha. And it's like, oh my God, there's so much like depth into this umbrella story. And they touched on none of it. They didn't give two shits about it. Despite what Mark may lead people to believe, I'm not a defender of the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> They're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Show us the tattoo of uh, Jelosevich on your ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's from the fifth element. Totally different. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I got to say, Garrett, you're right. Like, uh, while zombies is the set dressing that pulls in the, the majority of people, there's definitely so much more going on underneath the surface of this. Even in game eight, right? I'm not going to go into it, obviously, but there, it, the stuff that they've been advertising is literally surface level. There's got there's stuff going on underneath here already that I'm like, oh wow, did not see this coming. Um, same thing with game number one. One of the most what the fuck moments is when you go deep into the lab where they, you know, created the T virus that led to the Raccoon City outbreak that got everybody infected and turned into zombies. You fight a fucking shark. Oh, yeah. And it's like, wait, what are we doing here? There's a goddamn shark now in the zombie game. And then you fight a plant. You know, you're right. You fight a giant snake. It's just all over the place. But at inside of the lore that they build in this universe, it all kind of makes sense. You're, you're along for the ride. I do want to ask, Garrett, I guess you're the only one qualified to answer this. Which is the pinnacle of the series? Oh, man. Enter, enter our hot takes. This is going to be highly disputed. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of, I mean, you know, we hear this all the time. It's hard to pick a favorite. I honestly, though, am going to go with Resident Evil. Oh, man, I'm going to take so much shit for this. Resident Evil 5. <laughs> you better get your shovel. You got a lot of shit to start digging out of. Why don't you do us all a favor and leave before the audience gets pissed off? I know that it's a super unpopular opinion. And yes, the story itself is not the strongest on like its surface. But uh, let me let me run through my, my reasons for liking 5 so much. Um, Resident Evil 5 is the reintroduction of Chris Redfield back into the series. Um, he existed in one and yeah, I don't think he showed up again until five, right? Yeah. Chris is. So let's just, let's just burn through this real fast. So resident evil one, there's an outbreak at the uh, mansion. There's some creepy shit going on and your elite covert badass team of agents called stars go to check it out. Um, and you discover that there's an evil corporation or a corporation called umbrella, which has been doing a bunch of research and they have inadvertently made zombies and through experimentations to make like bioweapons and stuff like that. Resident evil. The virus has spread to the city, full on raccoon city, like overtake zombie apocalypse type stuff. And you're Leon and Claire, and you both come to raccoon city on your first day and oh my God, zombie apocalypse, you got to survive. You find out some more stuff about um, Umbrella. You get a little more insight into like how clandestine and how deep the roots of this uh, organization go. 
Then Resident Evil 3 takes place the same exact day as Resident Evil 2, but you're playing a different character, Jill Valentine. And uh, Jill is from the original Resident Evil. She was one of your main characters. And this is the introduction. This is the game that introduces Nemesis, which everyone kind of knows. I think he was in the second movie, the giant um, like burn face monster that like is looking for the stars people. Yeah, that guy's pretty cool. Nemesis was like, I think like the first he was the, the pyramid head of Resident Evil. He's like the iconic people see it and just know what's up. Then there was Code Veronica, which was kind of an offshoot game where, um, wait, was that Chris in that one? It was Claire and Steve. Steve. Okay. Sorry, I couldn't tell if Chris, I think Chris made an appearance, but so they go to Antarctica to follow up on some more umbrella shenanigans and you meet a, a whole cast of characters. It's kind of like a little side game, but it does kind of give some more insight into how robust and, you know, crazy umbrella was getting. Resident Evil 4. Leon Kennedy from Resident Evil 2 is now the, it's fun to say, uh, he's now like the secret service protector of the president because at this point, the T-virus has kind of gone global almost. It's out there. It exists. There's a black market for, um, you know, bio bio weapons and stuff like that. So people are buying the T-virus on the underground market and you're kind of tracking it down. Um, the president's daughter gets kidnapped and taken to this like Eastern European village. And you as the secret service badass are going to go get her back. And then through doing so, you kind of understand that the virus has been mutated and is now being sold in the black market. Yada, 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 yada. Cut to Resident Evil 5. And this is why I like Resident Evil 5 so much. Chris Redfield comes back, but now the entire world has had to establish a group that handles nothing but these like biological virus outbreaks. So if someone's got a variation of the T virus or the uh, the N virus or something like that, um, his group of BAAA or whatever they're called, BSAA, goes to put a stop to it. Like they're they're like this badass team of, you know, like we go quell these threats. So he's traveling all over the world and he ends up going to Africa. And this story, if you actually play pretty far into it and get past like just the initial like I'm killing zombies, you start to uncover the like the very beginning origins of how Umbrella even got created. So through the story, you find out how the T-virus got made. It wasn't originally supposed to be a bioweapon. And you, you kind of like uncover the the inadvertent corruption of this um this biological thing. And you kind of learn how uh, Umbrella splintered and kind of became its own little separate groups of those who wanted to make it like a weapon, those who wanted to make it like a life-saving, like medicine. And it kind of goes from there. Now, this game does also incorporate uh, Wesker, Albert Wesker, who comes back and um, has Neo-like Matrix powers, which is fucking ridiculous. But it fits in the game perfectly. I should have killed you years ago. Chris your mistake. It's over, Wesker. Over. <laughs> I'm just getting started. Yeah, that's, uh, I like five because it's just all like backstory. <laughs> it's like just wonderful deep dive backstory. Yeah, I get it from that perspective. I think for me, though, um, that was the first time they decided to do the co-op multiplayer stuff. And I just wasn't a big fan of that when it came out. 
I was so used to the traditional uh, survival horror style game where this one was more of an action oriented two player co-op. You go to point A and then point B and then we unlock the gate and then we can both get in and and progress through the storyline, which uh, turns out I was totally on board with for number six. Uh, so much so that I didn't beat five until I cleared six. And I was like, you know what? Now that I'm kind of okay with this gameplay change, let me go back and play five. And I played it with a friend and I had a good time with it. So I think it was just the change of the time. You know what I mean? I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah, no, it was it was a definite abrupt change from the feel of um, the franchise so far. Because Resident Evil 4 was the first kind of, instead of like a third person uh, fixed camera type game, uh, four was the first over the shoulder kind of like almost first person, third person kind of mode. So um, it really focused more on action and shooting. Resident Evil 5 continued in that path, but you're right. They did take a much more action oriented quick time. Uh, that's where you push buttons as things happen on the screen, like certain like, you know, push X right now to make an event happen. So it was quite a bit of a departure from what we had, had experienced before. Um, so I could see that being quite a bit of a shock to most players. Uh, you mentioned six. Resident Evil 6. 6 was such an interesting game and the fact that it was three different storylines all taking place um, at the same exact time in different locations that all converge into one grand story at the end. Leon goes back to Raccoon City and um, is looking at some event that a senator was at, like some rally that got taken over by zombies. So he's looking at that. Um, You've got Chris in China, who's now trying to like stop a um, an outbreak of zombies uh, in China. And then you've got Wesker's kid out of nowhere, who's kind of like, I guess, like what, early 20s, mid 20s? Yeah. Also a superhero like his Matrix mode in number five. Yeah, he's definitely. And the reason that is, is because Wesker has injected himself with different versions of the, the strains of viruses, stuff like that. So he's got like kind of superhuman powers. Um, it all makes sense in game, but um, his son got some of those through genetics, I guess. He's kind of like a mercenary, but all these stories converge onto one for this big kind of like, you know, we finally shut Umbrella down. And that's when the game goes to Resident Evil 7, which was, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, was the first first person Resident Evil. Is that correct? More or less. Uh, you know, if, it depends if you want to count the rail shooters on like the Wii or the uh, the PlayStation Move or whatever, you know. Those were uh, pretty fun in their own right, but definitely kind of like a greatest hits, right? So if you played the one on the Wii two-player shooter, you know, your arcade-style light gun game, you'd go back through the mansion and uh, first-person style shooting at the screen. But yes, you're right. Total full free movement in first-person Resident Evil 7 was the first in the franchise. Uh, And according to the creators, they all originally wanted to do this. I don't know if they were just jumping on the... PT bandwagon that was happening so hard in 2017. You know what I mean? They were like Konami released the Silent Hills trailer and then canceled it and all that. And everybody's in an uproar. And then here comes Resident Evil 7 first person mode to be like, eh, what about us? (laughs) I was against it at first, but the more I saw of it and then finally getting into it, it's, it's in the top of the franchise, man. I've played through it two or three times and going in VR Holy shit! It's the it's the next level, man. It's so much fun. I can't do it. I will. I, I cannot do Resident Evil Seven VR. It's so much fun, dude. You you got to try it at least once, maybe someday. And Resident Evil Seven was a, a completely different um, story. Like the entire game takes place with very little, if any, reference to the uh, the previous games. It almost seems like its own separate 
entity and story. And it's through these little subtle clues that you can pick up during the game that you kind of like, you find little links to different storylines. Never a direct connection, never like, you know, like, oh, well, Leon was so-and-so's friend. It's always like, oh, yeah, I met this guy at a gas station who was driving to some plane to go to China. You know, like, very loose connections. But Resident Evil 7's like if Texas Chainsaw Massacre met, you know, Day of the Dead, man, it's, it's fucking nuts. From start to finish, a great game. Definitely scared me in ways that I didn't really know <laughs> Resident Evil could do. Silent Hill, yes. Resident Evil, no. But it kind of completely changed things. So that's why, and I, 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 if I remember correctly, Resident Evil 8 is a direct continuation of 7. Right. So I guess if we want to get a little more granular with the details of 7, so the viewer, if, if anybody's going to tune in and watch Garrett play through this, it might be uh, useful to know the backstory of 7. So... Spoilers on that. If you haven't played it, I I think we both recommend checking it out. Maybe get a little bit further along than John did, um, and it'll hook you for sure. Uh, but yeah, so basically... Wait, hold on. You have to, you want them to play more than 10 minutes of the game before they make a judgment? How dare they? <laughs> that was mostly a dig at you. <laughs> no, so basically, this one couldn't feel more removed from the mainline Resident Evil games when it came out. Now, as you progress through the story, it reveals itself to have a connection. But when you start playing it, you're playing a man named Ethan Winters. He got an email from his dead girlfriend saying, Ethan, come get me. And he's like, what the fuck? So then he finds himself out in backwoods, Louisiana, and he finds his girlfriend. And she's seems to be possessed in some form or fashion. Can't tell if it's by virus, serum, or ghosts, or whatever, right? So you, you don't know what's happening. And Ethan gets his hand cut off in the opening sequence of the game. And then he finds himself strapped to a chair at a table with the most disgusting piles of rotten food and meat and the weirdest looking hillbilly uh, Cajun family that you could possibly imagine in the dirtiest house ever. Hit boy's got to eat! <laughs> He got to have his supper. Come here, boy. Let's do this. Come on. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. He's not eating it, Jack. He's not eating it. Get the hell up, Marguerite. I'm for him. Get the hell out of here. You're a son of a bitch. And he finds himself just trying to break out of this house for the next, you know, couple hours. As you progress through the story, you find out that this child named Evelyn, who was a specimen under Umbrella's care, has some sort of ability, thanks to the virus or what have you, create these weird goo monsters that you're fighting throughout the game that take these forms of just, I don't know even how to describe them really, just like black skeleton-esque amorphous blobs that come to life that you got to take out. She also has been infecting anybody that's within the range of her abilities, turning them into some sort of immortal mutated monsters. And this, that's what this whole family ends up being is a group of people that can die and reform themselves and regenerate and just turn into all nasty kinds of bio goo and teeth. And you got to fight all this stuff, right? Well, that's happening to your girlfriend, Mia, the one that you thought was dead and has been missing for so long. Um, at some point, Ethan is given a ch uh, an option to either give his girlfriend an antidote or this girl named Zoe an antidote. You as the player get to make that choice and it does affect the story a little bit. And as it plays out, Ethan finally esca escapes either with Mia or Zoe. Now, the canonical ending and what leads into number eight is that 
Ethan saved his girlfriend, and this game's going to pick up a couple years down the road from that. And that's kind of where this is leading into eight. That's more. There's more to it than that, but that's just kind of the gist. No, yeah, seven was just insanely creepy. That that dinner scene that uh, Mark's talking about, you can think like Texas Chainsaw Massacre two level like insanity. But yeah, you find out that this uh, the little girl with the powers was from a tanker like a, a giant tanker ship that was transporting her. And they, they ran aground at some point in the Gulf and she wandered out and then was picked up by this family. So this family is just kind of like this weird, kind of like unfortunate situation where they just kind of took this girl in to be, you know, nice. And then it kind of ended up backfiring on them. But man, the, um, the Baker family, I believe is what they're called. They are insanely well done in seven. Like you were, you were legitimately tense and fearful that you're going to run into them constantly, uh, which I really appreciate it. Cause not since honestly, not since nemesis in resident evil three, did you have that level of like severe, like, God, I hope I don't run into this person. <laughs> yeah. And that's something they did so well. I think they masterclassed it with number seven and they took that into the remakes, right? So, you know, game number two, Resident Evil two with Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield in the police station. If you choose Leon Kennedy's story, you're chased by a character named Mr. X throughout the entirety of the game. Mr. X. <laughs> they took that idea and made it better and then put out Resident Evil Nemesis or Resident Evil 3, right? And then here we are in 7 revisiting that idea of being chased by an unstoppable killing force in the form of Jack Baker and then uh, I forget the mother's name. I'll just call her Ma Baker and then the brother. Lucas. Lucas Baker. There you go. Um, so again, they're playing with this idea of being chased and they take it into eight. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything, but, uh, you're going to have some of those sequences here too, Garrett. So if you freaked you out, then, uh, you're going to like it. You're going to get more of that in the next game. Well, all I know about eight is, as I've mentioned on other podcasts before is werewolves and giant nine foot vampire ladies. So that's all I know. So I, I definitely know there is a direct connection between seven. I just don't know what that is at this time. And I'm really interested to kind of find out how they've done this. Because as we mentioned earlier uh, in this episode, Capcom has done a phenomenal job of keeping this story going and progressing and building on itself while at the same time not getting too too overly convoluted um, in the grand scheme of things. You know, once you got the five, there was some characters that you're like, all right, this is getting a little bit insane. But for the most part, you know, the story itself has, you know, progressed nicely. We're going to have to do a recap, maybe another mini when we're done finish, uh, finishing up the game. The advertisement in the large nine foot giant lady and the, uh, I mean, you've seen the trailer, so you know, there's like those girls that turn into mist, if you will, and uh, are, are kind of like the big lady's daughters. Are they mist or bugs? I thought they turned into bugs. They're bugs. I was trying to be a little vague with it, but yeah, they're made of bowfly. That's what it is. They're, they're made of bowflies. That's just surface level, man. Uh, in the first, yeah, the first opening cutscene when shit goes tits up, you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, there's so much more to this than just giant women, dude. And it, <laughs> well, I know that I know there's more than just giant women. Although, <laughs> yeah, no, I, de- I definitely know there's more to it. I mean, the the environment itself. If anybody's seen the trailer for this, and if you haven't, I definitely recommend looking at the trailer for Resident Evil Eight if this piques your interest. Like, it seems to take place in an environment that that closely resembles Resident Evil Four. Now, I don't know if there's any direct connections between those two games, but a lot of people have been comparing the feel of Resident Evil 4's environment and the um, the Las Plagas villagers in that game to 
kind of loosely the feel of what you're seeing in the trailers and stuff of this game. Now, again, I could be totally wrong about that. I'm just speculating. But I, I like the fact that they that Capcom kind of dips back into the well, but without like, you know, like we're going to we're going to completely redo this or we're going to kind of just do the same thing over again, but with different characters or different looks. You know, they they legitimately just kind of use some of the uh, they use nostalgia as window dressing, which is really kind of nice because it doesn't um, hinder the the progression of these new characters and these new stories. And I don't know much about Ethan outside of seven. I didn't really find him to be that interesting of a character. So I'm really hoping they do something to kind of endear him to me in this game, because otherwise I don't give a fuck what happens to him. We'll talk after we wrap the games. Um, I will, (laughs) I will definitely say that there is many, many tips and nods in level design characters and uh, other things within this game really say, Hey, we know you guys like Resident Evil four, right? There's, there's a lot of homage to that in this game. And I think it works really well, especially in that Resident Evil seven gameplay style. How many movies are there of Resident Evil? I think there's like, there's at least five, right? believe there's like seven million or so or at least that's what it feels like <laughs> accurate uh i want to say there were seven of them wasn't there I feel like seven is the right number but i don't know wow that's so many i remember the first one and i think i think john you said you wanted to do an episode on the first uh resident evil movie i was so angrily disappointed with that film but then i remember the second one they really tried to lean into like oh we'll kind of make it a little bit more like the um the video games I don't know if they achieved that completely, but they definitely had some visual stuff that was like, hey, look, remember this, nerds? But then the third one, um, all I remember from the third one is that it was completely just like a wasteland Mad Max zombie movie. And I was like, this has nothing to do with anything anymore. Uh, Y'all, I have super exciting news. I am so amped to share this with y'all. There are six Resident Evil movies. Uh, It ended in 2016 with Resident Evil, the final chapter. But, and you heard it here last, folks, according to Wikipedia, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, a reboot of Resident Evil is in production and it is expected to come out in November of this year. That's right. We're getting more Resident Evil films. I feel like you shared that news with us before during a regular episode. Well, double double sharing because I shared it and then forgot about it and just <laughs> relearned it again. I think we had the same discussion of like, of like why? Uh, I'll tell you what. Apparently, Resident Evil movies, way more popular overseas than America. Uh, the last one, Red, Resident Evil, the final chapter, made $26 million in America on a $40 million budget and then made $287 million overseas. Jesus Whoa. Christ. It was the 375th most popular movie worldwide of 2017. Why? <laughs> I have, I just, I, I morbidly want to know how. Like, was it Mia Jovovich? Is she that big of a draw overseas? Yeah, I don't know. It can't be Paul Anderson. Looks like Michelle Rodriguez was in it too. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was. So the franchise globally has spent $288 million making movies and has returned $1.2 billion. Good God. That's so much money. That's so sad. And yet I couldn't get a season four of Daredevil on Netflix. This is bullshit. (laughs) That being said... um, you know, just to kind of like bring this back, you know, I've I've always loved the Resident Evil series. Uh, they've always done an amazing job of, you know, capturing the feel of their environments, bringing their characters and kind of really giving them the opportunity to kind of become well-rounded. 
Um, there has been some, again, you know, there has been some bumps in that road. The, the, <laughs> the thing with Jill where she becomes able to teleport and when Wesker becomes like Neo from the main, I mean, stuff like that, you're just like, all right, it makes sense within the plot because like fantastical stuff happens all the time in Resident Evil, but it really does kind of detract from some of the character growth that we've seen. But overall, I just, I think the series is always handled really well. I feel like they always, you know, bring a lot of care to it. It makes me sad to see Capcom put this much effort into their games and see Konami put so little effort into Silent Hill. In my restless dreams, I see that town. Silent Hill. Yeah, man, no, I don't even want to get started on that. As you know, I'm a super big Silent Hill fanboy. Uh, the rumors won't stop though. In the last couple of years, they keep ramping up. So I'm crossing my fingers that all these rumors coming around means we might get something soon on that franchise. Well, you know that Konami is now like licensing their stuff out, right? Which is fine. They don't have anybody left there that is doing anything worthwhile. I wouldn't trust them to make anything. That that Contra game they put out, ugh, it was awful. Just awful. The Contra game where you have to like, where you can run out of bullets. Yeah, that is counterintuitive <laughs> to what a Contra is. You do not run out of bullets. What are you doing? <laughs> so whatever, you know, let somebody else take a crack at I mean, they've been licensing out Silent Hill for the last like four or five entries anyway. So nothing new there. Um, well, I, I do want to, I want to, I want to end us on a, a question. Which one's the worst Resident Evil, Garrett? Put you on the spot. Of the major releases, right? Yeah, I'm not counting like uh, Resident Evil Dark Side Chronicles or, or any of that stuff. Okay. One through eight, uh, we'll say seven. Yeah, I played eight. So one through seven. Or, oh, you know, we didn't mention zero. That's actually my answer. Zero is my least favorite of all the mainline re- entries. I like the fact that we got to play Rebecca Chambers in zero. And that had a lot of backstory with Umbrella too. But it was a lot of like, kind of like, oh, that's really interesting and not really relevant to where we are in the story now. Yeah. So that was a bit redundant. I'm going to have to say zero also. I, I almost went with um, I almost went with uh, Code Veronica, but I do remember Code Veronica having some very creepy moments. So that puts it over the top for zero. Yeah. Code Veronica nails the gameplay. Really fucking fumbles the story though. That story is garbage, but it is a lot of fun to play if you can just press start and skip through the cutscenes. What really makes Zero the worst is there is no uh, item chest. You can't put anything away. You drop everything on the ground. So if you need that medallion or crank way down the game, you have to run all the way back to where you threw it on the ground. That's terrible. I don't know why they did that. They've been doing the inventory box for four to five games up to that point. It was crazy. Like, What are you doing? Here's what happened. Are you ready? I know the answer to this. They got sick of people being like, oh, where is he storing that crowbar? Is he shoving it up his ass? And so they're like, you know what? Fine. You get shit, throw it on the ground. If you want to be real life so bad, here you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a bad take on that. Uh, it was just, I'm playing a video game. I know it's not real life. Okay, come on. <laughs> yeah. It. I mean, yeah, that was, I forgot about that, that mechanic completely altogether. But yes, that was very annoying. Um, who's your favorite character? Out of the Resident Evil franchise, oh man, I uh, I'm gonna go generic and just say it's probably Leon Kennedy, and it's just because he's in two of the ones that I hold the highest regard for. Number two, number four, and 
you know, number four came along and when they would been doing the tank controls to death, at the time I was tired of that gameplay style. So when we finally got to hop into that over the shoulder third person mechanic, man, that was a lot of fun. And then two, because I loved one and two and three so much, two just had more zombies. It was just more chaos kind of that part one brought, but just amplified with that many more zombies. Hmm. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tell you something here that is probably going to make me look like a bad video gamer. But something that Resident Evil 1 and 2 did is they had two playable characters that had differences in in item drops and uh, keys and things of that nature. I only always played the easiest version. So in part one, that would be Jill. I always skipped over Chris because I got annoyed that I didn't have enough inventory slots. Get good, scrub. <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's completely fine. I mean, honestly, you know, the, the argument of whether games should have easy modes or not is is a debate that will rage on forever with, you know, video game fans and, you know, casuals alike. And honestly, I don't think it hurts anybody at all to have those. So if you want to play things on easy, you know, hey, if you want to play the Resident Evil franchise or any of these games and you want to play it on easy just to get through it and enjoy it, then do it. Like, it's all about playing them and having a good time. And if you're playing something that's so difficult that you're just not having a good time, what's the point? I mean, yeah. the the achievement of being, like, badass at something only goes so far. Yeah, who really cares what how everybody else plays their video games? I'd rather you play through a game than quit early like John. So if John <laughs> needs to jump that difficulty down to play it for me and I just watch, then fucking do it. You know what I mean? Damn. <laughs> Just throwing blows today. Well, let me say this, John, and I'll stop ragging on you. I know we all got a, a nice, shiny uh, Xbox Series X under the TV or to the side because they're so goddamn big. Mm-hmm. Um, Resident Evil 8, great showcase of the new hardware, man. I've been waiting for something new to play, new shiny uh, tech. Yeah. This is a great looking video game. I would love to to have time to play that but right now i'm playing bioshock infinite from 2015 oh and i gotta tell you what six-year-old graphics are plenty for me good game glad you're finally getting around to that one yeah i've already played it I'm, <laughs> I've, I've beat that one I've, i'm playing through all the bioshocks again and i had just finished one and two uh, and now i'm playing three but I've beat them all before. Well, guess what, John? You don't have to worry about playing Resident Evil 8 on Xbox because I'm going to do it for you, baby. Um, so as Mark mentioned, uh, I will be doing a run through of Resident Evil 8. We'll be kind of like live streaming it. Um, I don't know if we're going to live stream it on Twitch or if we're going to just kind of, you know, record the audio video and the uh, the gameplay and just kind of like put it out as episodes. We're still trying to nail that that all down. Garrett, I'm going to help you out here before all the cool kids. Only one of the things you mentioned is a live stream. Oh, okay. If it's on Twitch and it's live, it's a live stream if we record it. <laughs> it's just a video. Hello, fellow kids. Back in my days, we went to arcades. You put your quarter up on the top of the cabinet if you had next. <laughs> I, will, I will not get into my old man, like, arcade days rants. Uh, but no, I'll be I'll be running through that. So if you guys are interested in checking that out, but you really don't have the um, you know the time or the effort, or really just don't give a shit enough to you know play through it yourself, uh, you will be able to watch that in kind of an episodic form, or possibly even in live stream real time. Uh, it'll depend on how well we can get this all set up. That'll probably be about. Let's see, this episode will probably be coming out around eh, this weekend, the fifteenth. So look for that around the weekend of the 21st, 22nd of May. That's when I plan to start. I know it's a little bit of ways off. 
So I apologize for the delay, but that's going to give me enough time to get everything set up and actually be able to play the game and not have other um, work and side hustle conflicts. You know, look for that. Check that out. Also, if it goes well and there's anything else you guys want to see us play, uh, let us know. You know, I'm sure there's a few of you out there that would like to watch Mark or myself or John scream like uh, little children um, at PT or any of the other. What was that other game that just came out on Xbox that was like and PC that was like super scary? Uh, there was the one called Visage. Is that the one you're talking about? Visage. Oh, I couldn't make it through the trailer, dude. <laughs> it had me so messed up. Uh, maybe we'll do that. It's it is uh, photorealistic. I have that one on the box. It's it's good. I need to get back to that. There's just too many games to play. You know, I am always just on the cusp of being able to be pushed into turning into a horror video game podcast. <laughs> if you listeners decide to start giving us thousands of views of Garrett's Twitch stream, uh, I think I can make that switch happen. <laughs> We're gonna need thousands of listens on our podcast before we get the thousands of views on the uh, the Twitch thing. Um, but no, that being said, um, if that's something that you're interested in, we'll be doing that pretty soon. We've also got a couple other fun things uh, lined up for you guys. I know we've talked about it before, but the pandemic has been in quite the kick to the fucking nuts uh, for everything that we have planned. But we will be doing a kind of like a Grave Talk All-Stars um, Horror Trivial Pursuit contest, uh, either over Zoom or in person, depending on how our vaccines take. Also, get your vaccine, people. Um, and then we've also got some other fun things in line. I think John might have a few quickies in the future and I'm going to attempt on the website within the next uh, couple weeks. I'm going to rate horror masks from best to worst. So I'm sure I'm going to piss a lot of you off with that one. So stay tuned. That'll be fun. Worst mask ever is from scream. <laughs> there. I got your number one. <laughs> I, I disagree, but it's definitely not at the top of my list. That's for sure. Okay. Well, listeners, Check out Resident Evil 8. Come back, watch Garrett play it. Come check us out every other Tuesday for new content. Um, we'll have Evil Dead 2 on the way pretty soon after this comes out. Thanks for listening. Drop us a line on our social medias, and we'll see you next time.